0: Well, as we uh, come to God's Word, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you this day that we are able to gather around your Word and that you have great things uh, in store for us. And uh, we pray, Father, that we may uh, look now at your Word and you might encourage and strengthen us through it. Uh, We pray, Father, that you might open our eyes to its truths so that we might follow you and know the blessings that you have in store for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a little while ago now, and uh, hopefully all the leftovers are either eaten or uh, or thrown out. Uh, and uh, but I hope you had a great Christmas celebration. Uh, it's one of those times, isn't it? Where it's just it, it's just great to get together with other people and and have a what's always a sumptuous meal. Or it is where I go. Um, and you know the, the biggest problem is overeating and uh, and regretting it a bit later on. But uh, whether you gathered together for, for Christmas lunch, or whether it was dinner, or maybe even breakfast, or maybe it was just the whole three rolled into one—you know—rolling continuous uh, feast—it's uh, such a big part of the time, isn't it? Of really celebrating together is having that meal together. Now, a good meal—it's it, almost a, a universal way of celebrating uh, big events, good times. And so it's no surprise that the Bible uses the idea of a great banquet as a way of describing what is in store for us in heaven. The good times that will come as we gather with God. He will provide all that we need. You know, it might be in passages like Psalm 23 where where, where the Lord is my shepherd and he sets a table before me and my cup overflows, says David. Or the prophets like Isaiah 25, uh, verse 6, uh, where uh, he describes the end of days as the coming of the Lord Almighty, being him preparing a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Or maybe you're more familiar with John's vision of heaven at the end of the New Testament in Revelation nineteen, uh, and where those who are invited to the wedding be- uh, the wedding supper of the Lamb are said to be blessed. The, the idea of heaven as as a wonderful banquet picks up all those ideas of God's provision and his blessing to us, uh, of good times, of celebration, and it's this idea that, that lies behind our parable today, as we continue in uh, this series over summer of uh, looking at the parables, just simple stories, but with hard truths. And the, the hard truth that comes out of today's story about a, a, a great wedding banquet is the question of, how are we going to respond to the invitation to come to this banquet? Well, if this uh, parable sounds a little familiar to you as, uh, as it was read out uh, but not quite right, then it's probably because you're more familiar with a, a very similar parable Jesus told uh, which Luke records for us when Jesus was invited to someone's house. Uh, and for dinner and, uh, and there he uses a very similar story uh, making a very similar point indeed. But in Matthew there's sort of more urgency and there's greater implications for our response. It's a bit like this is the MA15 plus version, you know, warnings of strong violence uh, ahead. Uh, it's not quite the, the simple story that Luke records and that's because of the situation that it comes in. In Matthew 22, Jesus has just reached Jerusalem. We're getting very close to the end. The climax of the gospel is at hand. All of the issues that have been being raised about Jesus, all the questions about who he is and what he's here for, they're all coming to a head as he comes into Jerusalem. Now is decision time. Chapter 4, chapter 21, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem to all the praises of the the crowds travelling into Jerusalem. Hosanna to the son of David, they cry out. But the response of the religious leaders is rather different. Instead, they question him about his authority. Why does he accept this praise from these people? What authority does he have to, to teach in the temple or to clear it out as he does? And between these two experiences of Jesus coming and, the, and the, 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 uh, the authorities questioning Jesus, Matthew includes the account of Jesus cursing the fig tree, a fig tree that he passes by which has all its leaves, has all the signs of being ready to, to bear fruit, and yet when Jesus goes up and looks at it, it's got nothing there, not even immature fruit, which a tree and leaf should have had. And so Jesus curses it. See, the judgment is coming. The judgment's coming on those who have all the signs of following God but actually lack the reality. And then in response to the challenge that comes from the authorities, Jesus tells these three three parables. This is the third of them. And in each of them, he targets in on how do we respond to God? First, there's a parable about two sons. One tells his father, I'm not going to go to work today in the field. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. But then later on, he changes his mind and does go out and do the work. Whereas the other son says, yes, yes, Dad, of course I will. But never gets around to it. That one's more familiar to me, but anyway. um, See, what is our response going to be? Is it going to be just seen in our words? Or is it going to be a real response? that's acted out. Secondly, there's a parable about the tenants of a vineyard who, who refuse to give the landlord the produce that they owe him. They even go so far as to kill the owner's son. So is our response to God seen in the position we hold, the, the, you know, where, we, where we sit? Or is it going to be seen in how we treat God and his son? And then thirdly, our parable today about those who are invited to the great wedding banquet. See, how will they respond? Because this isn't just any wedding. No, this is the royal wedding. This is the king who's prepared a wedding banquet for his son, the heir to the throne. That's a few years ago now, but d- did anyone here get an invite to uh, William and Kate's wedding? No? Well, I didn't either. <laughs> you see, to get an invitation to something like that, you, you really need to be a somebody, don't you? you you're a significant business or community leader. You've got to be one of the leaders of society. You've got to really know someone to, uh, to get into that, to get uh, an invite there. Uh, and even for those who were invited, you know, what an incredible honour to be invited to the Royal Wedding. You know, it, it's something that you just drop everything else for so that you can be there. Uh, and if you've ever been involved in, uh, in organising a wedding, whether a, a Royal Wedding or, or something on a smaller scale, uh, you know the agony that goes into working out things like the guest list. Now, you've only got so many places available. Do you invite your second cousin twice removed that you haven't seen in years, but you know will be mortally offended if you, if you miss them out, and mum will never forgive you? Or, or do you invite your boss from work? And you've got all these questions going on, and, and then so you send the invitations out, and you really want your cousin to let you know that they're already booked in to have their ingrown tail removed, and they can't make it, so that, they, so that you can invite your boss. But for the guests of this royal wedding, not only do they fail to send their reply, but when the reminder comes out, when they personally are asked to come along, they refuse. It's unheard of. What's more, they even become violent. They attack the king's messengers. Can you imagine you know, the, the, the king's messenger coming in all their regalia, coming to your front door and saying, oh, it's time to come. And you just say, I'm sorry, I'm going to beat you up instead. Uh, that's the idea that the king would send in the troops and destroy the towns that they come from is quite believable if, if someone assassinated his servant who was simply there bringing a wedding invitation. The whole idea is unheard of that people would respond this way. And yet that is the choice that the chief priests and the Pharisees are being given here. Will they accept God's invitation to the wedding banquet? Or will they even kill the messenger? Just because they're the leaders of God's people, doesn't mean that they can get away with refusing God's invitation. Position, standing, religiosity, stands for nothing if you don't accept the invitation that's given. Or even worse, if you kill God's messenger who brings that. Just because someone should be at the wedding doesn't mean they'll actually be there. You see, there's all sorts of people who we think should be in heaven. People who are particularly religious or spiritual, church leaders, Sunday school teachers, or or, or great leaders who promote peace, even if they're from other religions. You know, they're spiritual people. Surely God will have them in heaven. Or those who have given their lives over to helping other people, some even actually dying in their service of the community. Surely they deserve to get into God's heavenly feast. But Jesus is quite clear. If you don't accept the invitation, if you don't recognise Jesus as as God's messenger bringing that invitation, let alone as God's son whose wedding you are being invited to, then you won't get in. You're refusing the invitation. Good credentials aren't enough. We need to accept the invitation that Jesus offers us. And so there is the first of the hard truths in this passage. What will we do with the invitation that's offered to us? Will you accept it? Will you accept the one who is bringing it? But just because those who should have deser- should who sorry, just because those who should have deserved to be there won't be at the wedding doesn't mean that it's going to be a failure. You know, oh well, you know, if they can't get in, then heaven's going to be a really empty place, isn't it? No, no. That's not what this king wants for his son. And so in verse eight, the king says to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. See, if the deserving show that they really don't deserve to come, then the undeserving will be invited. The king sends his servants out wherever they might find people gathering. You know, the forks in the road where you might find traders or beggars. If being selective didn't work in filling, the, in filling the, uh, the wedding hall, then the king is throwing out any sense of selection. Invite anyone you find. And the servants obey. They gather the bad as well as the good so that the wedding hall is filled with guests. It will be a great occasion. The king's son will be honoured. He will be praised on his wedding day because he is the son of the king. There's quite a sting in the tail here for the Jewish leaders, isn't there? Jesus was well known for associating with the sinners and tax collectors, as we saw last week. Will they get into the wedding, even when the leaders are locked out? Well, it might be a sting for them, but it's good news for us, isn't it? Here is the chance for us, the good, the bad, and even the ugly, to get an invitation. God's invitation is now open to all, even to me, even to you. We are all able to be invited. The invitation is there. If only we'll accept it. But there is another challenge here for us. See, the king's servants were to go out and invite everyone, anyone that they found to come to the wedding. And as God's servants, that's the task we're given. We're to take the invitation of the gospel out to all people. It's a double challenge, really, because it challenges me about how much effort am I really putting in to inviting people to hear the gospel? If that's the task, if that's the urgency, if that's what God is about, inviting people to come to the great wedding banquet of Jesus... Am I really about that? But it also challenges me to think about who do I look to to invite? Do I just think about talking to people that I think deserve the gospel? Those who I think should be there? Or am I taking up the command of the king to take the invitation out to anyone? to everyone that I meet. See, who am I willing to accept in our church and and want to come here? Anyone? Or just the people I think deserve to be here, or at least the people who fit in with me and, and don't make me feel uncomfortable? Or are we really open to everyone, even if they might be different and make things here different? See if God's willing to invite the undeserving like me. Then who am I to limit that invitation, as it goes out? Well, there's one final addition to this story in verse eleven. See, when the king came in to see the guests, he notices a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes, and he asked, "How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend?" And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And I've somehow missed a whole page in my notes. Oh, that's exciting. Well done. <laughs> See, here is the he, there is a challenge here, that this man comes and he he's come to the wedding, but he hasn't done anything to prepare for it. He's completely unprepared. He, he's just come along. He hasn't recognised that he's even there for a wedding. Now, what Jesus isn't saying here is that we need to be particularly well-dressed to come. You know, it's not that this man isn't dressed well enough. It's not that his clothes aren't smart enough. It's just that he hasn't even bothered to get prepared. He hasn't got changed. And as we come to to God, we can't just come without being changed. It's not that we can't... God doesn't accept us as we are, he does. But as we come to him, we need to be changed in the way that we come. We need to be redressed. Not just in how we behave, though that will come, but first and foremost, we need to change our allegiance. We need to recognise where we're going, that we are going to the wedding of the Son of God. And we need to recognise that it is his wedding that we're going to. That he is the son of the king. And that that is who we belong to. We need to recognise that we need to be changed. And of course the great blessing from God is that he is the one who dresses us. He does give us the right clothing. He clothes us in his Holy Spirit and in the likeness of his son. He gives us the righteousness that we cannot have for ourselves, but that only he can give us. It will mean that we are changed in the things that we do and the way that we behave. Not because that's what we need to get into the wedding, but because when we are there, that is what we are to be like. God accepts us as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay that way because he's got so much better in store for us. He wants us to come into his kingdom and be transformed into the likeness of his son, that we might be changed, that we might have those wedding clothes adorning us, so that we might be able to honour the son properly. Because, there are, because while many are invited, few are actually chosen. And what that means for us is that we should expect that as we take God's invitation out, there will be many who will respond initially. There will be many who do accept who Jesus is or want to say, yes, I want to come along to the banquet, but who won't actually be willing to get changed, who won't actually accept Jesus as their Lord. Many are invited, but few are chosen. And that shouldn't put us off inviting people. That's the task we've been given. But the work of choosing them, that task is up to God. Our task is to get that invitation out to as many as we can. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son and sent his servants out to those who had been invited to tell them to come. How will you respond? We know how the chief priests and the elders responded. But how will you respond? Will you accept the invitation? Have you come to the wedding banquet and are even now being changed so that you can sing the praises of the, of the, of the groom? Are you being a faithful servant and taking that invitation out to everyone around so that many might come in and join us at that feast? Because if you think your Christmas feast was good, it's nothing compared to what God's got prepared for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank and praise you for your blessing to us. That you invite us into your kingdom, into the wedding feast of your son. Father, we thank and praise you for this. And we pray, Father, that as we turn to you, that we indeed will be dressed rightly. That you'll keep clothing us and changing us so that we might be well prepared to honour your son on that wedding day. And Father, we pray for those around about us who have not yet accepted that invitation. Father, we pray that you will help us to keep taking every opportunity to invite them, that we will go out to wherever we can find people and invite them to attend, that there will be many who will join with us in proclaiming the praises of your son in whose name we ask it. Amen.